There's one coming who will baptize with fire and the Holy Spirit. One whose coming has been of old, from time everlasting, is soon to be among us. Greater than all of us, one whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. Palmer's taking it short now for Atty Nuiu. Still Nuiu, dribbling his way through. It's still Atty Nuiu! Oh! it for the top corner! What a goal that is! That is fantastic! You wouldn't expect that from Nuiu! But hey, I've just witnessed it. It's gone into the top corner. It's amazing for the Cotterman. Wednesday surely sealing it now. Rouse three, Preston one. The right foot of New Hue is struck with power, the left foot of New Hue is exalted. I shall not die but live, and declare the works of New Hue. This is the day New Hue has made. Let us be rejoice and be glad here on the Owls Americast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, who now apologize to my very Episcopalian mother, and introduce the rest of the show. I am drinking a San Pellegrino Limonada. It's a sparkling lemon beverage with 16% lemon juice because I'm trying to drink less during the week, which is not the best day to be doing it because we have a lot to celebrate here on the 25th episode of our show. I think it's the first time we've actually been reviewing two victories. And uh, James Allen, first, what are you drinking? And secondly, uh, who is responsible for both of those victories? Um, well, I'm, I don't know where to start, Jeff. You asked me two two intersecting questions there. Um, good evening. Uh, I mean, let's be honest. Who was responsible for the victories? It was New Who. I mean, that's easy. Um, I'm drinking a uh, a porter from the main beer company called King Titus, which is very apt. Um, I thought King Titus was some kind of you know huge, uh, venerated historic figure, but it turns out he's a gorilla. He's a gorilla. And it says. Titus was a wonderful, bold, silverback gorilla who led with his heart, um, <laughs> which which just sounds like another uh, adulation for for Big Dave, if you ask me. Um, I'm uh, I'm formerly Catholic, but now I'm for, for, for first and foremost of the Church of Dave. Uh, so praise be his name. Also, the line is Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Uh, a good old council pop today. That's it. <laughs> Very exciting. Sorry, council pot. Council pop. Oh, pop. Oh, almost a misplaced tea there, buddy. <laughs> Are you out of liquor again? <laughs> yes. It's Monday. <laughs> it's been snowing. I haven't left the apartment all day. And also on the line, we have Luke Andrews Hacken. Luke, what brand of coconut water are you drinking tonight? Uh, I'm actually drinking an Inner Bro Like a Panther uh, stout. Oh, special occasion. I, yeah, yeah. I thought it was actually called Panther Panther, which I thought was funnier, but it's actually like a panther. They just have panther printed twice. But uh, it's pretty good. I highly recommend it. Wednesday has risen to 16th indeed. The angel of relegation has passed over us. 
we know that our Redeemer liveth, and his name is Addie Newhue. And we'll get to all the important Addie Newhue highlights as we review the Preston and Sunderland games. We have an entire family of American Wednesdayites for our How I Became a Wednesdayite segment. And of course, we will wrap up things with good news, a little bit of bad news, and a Fulham preview. But we will start with a very good Friday indeed against Preston North End. Not the most exciting of first halves per Alan Biggs, James. Uh, yeah, I'll have to take his word for it, Jeff, because uh, I missed the entire uh, entire game uh, due to the fact that I was on an inconveniently timed flight, which then set up an absolutely beautiful landing uh, when I reached JFK at the end of the afternoon. You had a but, few uh, tweets yeah. waiting for you when you landed, I'm sure. I did, but the first one I read was uh, Alan Biggs' dispatch from half-time when he was basically berating Joss for, for playing six people in midfield and uh, what he said was a very un- uninspiring and insipid performance. So imagine my surprise when I scanned down my timeline a little bit further and, uh, and checked out my mentions. Uh, it was uh, it was took a joyous Friday, not just a good Friday. Um, but yeah, the uh, the first half I'm, I'm told, uh, and I... Yeah, I tried to watch it back, but I've got to be honest, I kind of skipped along to the second half a little bit because the first half didn't seem to be much going on. It, there wasn't really much going on, was it? I mean, Preston, it is, uh, they kind of gamed us a little bit, I think. And Alan Biggs was dead on money. It was crap. It was absolute crap. Uh, the, the best thing about it was Hutchinson's yellow card, which happened in 27 seconds, I think it was, um, which was fantastic. Um, but also, I'm not even sure it was a yellow card in the first place. Um, but it just, it just generally... Not very inspiring. Preston looked pretty dangerous. Tried to loop balls over the defence, um, but thankfully we were kind of equal to those balls. I thought, I thought Poodle, Lees and Venancio all defended pretty well. They missed a couple of headers, uh, and we showed absolutely nothing in that first half. And I don't know what he said at half-time, but my God, it worked. Really did, didn't it? Um, <laughs> and this is the bit that I did watch back because uh, we seemed to kind of come out like a team with our, uh, properly with our tails up after half time, right? Um, and the uh, just kind of the pace that we were attacking, uh, and we'll come to the goals in a second. Just it just seemed to be completely different um, after that half time team talk and uh, Jack Hunt marauding down the right for the uh, the cross that then went in for the first goal was. Uh, was probably a perfect example of that. But again, I was watching it on uh, on replayed highlights. So Paddy, you better pick it up from here. No, it was great. I mean, um, at his goal, uh, great ball into the box again. And just a topo, because that's it was. I mean, it was so delightful. It was like we going back into the playground again. And just, uh, it just <laughs> He didn't control it particularly well. He could uh, bounce about a yard in front of him and smashed it uh, into the bottom corner. It was a good finish. I mean, that's what we want. Uh, over these two games, we'll talk about it in, the, um, uh, in today's game too, Sunderland game. But the finishing has been pretty efficient, which is not like us one bit. But I can get used to it. It's nice having some on-form strikers. Um, but yeah, when they've had the ball, they've tended to do pretty well with it. Can we talk about that toe punt just for a second? Because I can't remember the last time I saw a professional footballer toe punt with quite <laughs> the same accuracy as that. I mean, that's the sort of goal that I used to score when I was playing, wearing a pair of, pair of Doc Martins in the playground. It was um, brilliant, wasn't it? It was sure perfectly joy. executed. I mean, his technique... I mean, this is the beautiful, adaptable thing about Eddie Newhu, right? You know, he suddenly turned into a highly prolific goal scorer, but he can still toe punt like the best of them. <laughs> it was fantastic. I loved it. And then, uh, yeah, and it just it was just wave after wave after that. And um, soon after, you got the uh, lovely goal from Joao, which, I mean, Bannon started it all by breaking up play. 
uh, with a nice sliding tackle, passed it over to the left wing, got the ball back, 1-2, gets it back from, I think it was uh, maybe Fox on the left wing, I can't remember, I'll reach, and then just delivers that ball onto Joe's head. That ball being possibly the worldie of the season. Um, it was absolutely gorgeous, wasn't it? I mean, we, we, we know we've missed that with like Bannon and, and Hutch being out the side, just the ability to distribute from, from midfield. But, I mean... It, he just completely destroys the defence with that one floated ball. Um, although we shouldn't probably underestimate the the technique that Zhao has to to uh, display to then put that header away. I mean, just the way he cushions that over the keeper is gorgeous. I mean, proper silky football. Um, I can't believe we're saying this about this Sheffield Wednesday side at this point in this season. But it was, again, just you know, kind of watching that when I landed was like, is this the same Wednesday team we've been watching all year? Because it sure as hell doesn't feel like it. I mean, it really isn't. <laughs> And Bannon does make a huge difference. Uh, You know, the quality, we've complained all year about the quality of the final ball, even when we've performed better than our rather mediocre average this year. But just the the quality, he just can fizz in those flat balls and just pick out a player's head or play it in defeat as well as, you know, any player in the championship easily. And Zhao's finish was just classic sort of big looping header strikers finish and the thing like you know we've been up and down hot and cold on Zhao all year on the show but it's easy to forget he was bought you know two years ago a little over two years ago as a young prospect and he's only 24 you know it there still could be uh more to come and he's shown bursts of this form before but it's I think this is probably his best sustained performance in a Wednesday shirt over the last couple months I think undoubtedly, Jeff. And, and I think actually I, he, he's shown bursts of form, but I don't think he's shown anything like this kind of consistency yet for Wednesday. And, it, and it's really exciting because, you know, in, in Zhao this season, we've somehow uncovered someone who looks like probably a 15-goal-a-season championship striker. I mean, I think, what was that his ninth goal of the season? We'll talk about some of them later on um, today. And he's, you know... He looks confident. He's clinical. He, he links the play well. Um, yeah, his decision making still a bit uh, rash at times. Let's call it that. But yeah, I mean, he's he, he's been a glimmer of light on on a pretty apocalyptic uh, season. So uh, I think you know, nothing to to complain about at all from his performances recently. And and that goal was a perfect exemplar because you know there's not many other players on the field or in the division that I can think of that would have just cushioned that header as well as he did. But of course, this is still Sheffield Wednesday, and Paddy, it can never be that easy. It can't. And I mean, Preston, just after that second goal went in, and it was going to be more comfortable, they just went wave after wave after wave uh, on our defence. And it was pretty scary at times, actually. I mean, we, were, we really were lucky to survive uh, a couple of um, a couple of attempts, one which was a scramble, which was like Wildsmith kind of went underneath him. And there was three people on the floor, like some weird game of Twister. And then Lee's managed to just poke it by the post before the attacker got there. Then there was this uh, another wave of attack which came from the right and then uh, Hunt cleared it onto the post. Then within seconds, they got another free header at the near post and that goes wide and you think, oh my God, they're going to get another goal back. And eventually they do. And it was through a lovely worked move. And to be fair to Alex Neal and Preston, they've actually got uh, and playing pretty well at the moment. Uh, You can see why they're doing so well this year. But that nice little flick over... uh, onto the guy on the left wing, crossed it in and just tapping that actually you went through eventually. But um and that's when you start to worry, you don't use two one now. It's uh they look decent going forward. They look up for it too. They look to one of the um 
better attacking sides than Hillsborough this, this season. Um, but we weathered the storm. Um, yeah, you, know, you, and... you have to keep going, and you get down into the late hour of the game. Just just keep the ball in the corner, right, James? Hold on to possession. <laughs> well, you see, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about because you know when I landed and watched the highlights, I, you know, it was just goal after goal after Wednesday brilliance and. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the rule book says that in the 91st, 92nd minute, when you're 2-1 up at home against a side that's chasing the playoffs and you've been on down in your luck for ages, what you want is you want a big man who's uh, who's good at kind of shielding the ball just to basically hunker down by the corner flag. So we, you know, we, we said to Dave, go and hunker down by the corner flag, Dave. And Dave said, it's Good Friday. It's uh, it's the Easter win- weekend. Let me show you a miracle. And uh he, thus, he dragged back his heel and in a devastating peak of form, managed to take take the ball past three Preston defenders in one incredible turn of, uh, of pace. Knocked the ball to the corner of the uh, of the 18-yard box. And then, did he, did he strike him with his left foot? I've he got did. no bloody idea. Yeah. He, he then killed it in, into the top corner, past a despairing keeper, for one of the very best goals you will ever see scored at Hillsborough. My favourite part of the whole thing. I mean, you could not write this script. It was incredible. And I'm watching it in replay. I didn't see it in real time. I can only imagine the pandemonium when he was scoring that goal in you know, in real time, whether on an iFollow or whether you're in the stadium. Well, the funny thing about the well, stadium is if you watch it from behind the cop end, like yeah. nobody gets out of their seat until the ball lands in the net. Like sometimes you get like, the anticipation <laughs> of like, oh, a goal's coming. Like I think like nobody reacted until the ball had already like well past the keeper, hit the net and bounced a few times. I really do implore you to if you haven't seen this, James, or anyone that's listened to the podcast, look at some of the fan videos. So someone was recording uh, I think a few people were recording from the corner flag just as we held it in the corner. So someone has got actual like live footage on their camera of New Year doing that and then killing it into the uh, top left corner. And some of the reactions were fantastic. It's like, oh my god, oh my god. How did he do that? <laughs> like, like people just come, the, the camera just pans back to the like, absolutely stunned cop. It's just absolutely beautiful. Try and find some uh, fan shots of that, and it was just, yeah, it was just a fantastic reaction from everybody. And you've got to see the surprise of Forest Area's hands-on head uh, shock, which I thought was brilliant. Just, I, I think everyone thought the same thing, right? That image of Fessy is everyone else in the stadium, like, what? Crazy. <laughs> What a moment, though! And then, obviously, uh, the only way to yeah, the only way to top that off, really. I mean, you, like I said, what a script! Uh, but um, again, free kick, ninety-third uh, minute, I think it was ninety-fifth minute. And who steps up for it? Our returning magic man, uh, who'd actually had, I thought, a pretty good uh, impact on the game for the for the minutes he was on the pitch. He looked like he was back to his best. Um, holding the ball up and then sprinting off from a crowd of players. It was just great to see him do that. And then obviously when he uh, steps up for the free kick, and again, look at some of the fan videos. Everyone's obviously recording this one because everyone expects a Forestieri comeback. Uh, and there's a brilliant video I, I retweeted on the Owls America's account, which someone goes, give it to Palmer <laughs> from the free kick of Forestieri. And you go, no, don't give it to Palmer. <laughs> Who said that? And of course, he didn't give it to Palmer, thankfully. And he just slots it over the wall into the bottom corner of the of the goal and everyone goes wild absolutely dreamland i mean top that off for a game absolutely it was in, i mean talk talk about like literally the perfect 
script, right? I mean, this felt more like Christmas than Easter. I mean, it was it was a perfect present for him to to have that that right at the end of the game. But we shouldn't make light of the fact that he was on the pitch in the first place. I mean, you know, we we joke enough about our redeemer liveth and uh, the resurrection of Newhu, but you know, actually, the resurrection of Forestieri at the back end of the season is a big story for us because you know to have him fit, and he certainly looks fit. He looks like he's got pace, he's got energy, he's moving well. Um, that nutmeg that he sold uh, two Preston defenders on over on the left wing. If Newhu hadn't done his incredible drag back, um, we'd be uh, we'd be seeing retweets of that all day long. Um, I mean, that's that's something else to be really positive about. And there was no, <laughs> there was nowhere else that Fessy was putting that ball than the uh, the left side of the goal. He certainly wasn't giving it to Liam Palmer. Um, I love the audacity of the idea on the cop that you know, right? We're three one up now. You know what we should do? We should put it back in the corner because that worked really well five minutes ago. Uh, it was be- beautiful free kick, and I just, you know, I said I think about six months ago, and this is before Carlos went. I was like, you know, this this could still come good. We'll still be calling, you know, singing Carlos had a dream. Okay, that never came to anything, but I loved just hearing the fans picking up. Oh, Forestieri, oh, Forestieri, you know, and that that just that drumbeat of anticipation before he came back on the pitch was just uh, that was awesome. Um, you know, it's a little kind of peak of hope for for next year. Maybe it's because I've been watching uh, Jacob Butterfield and David Jones all season, but I swear to God, Forestieri is the fastest footballer I've ever seen in midfield now. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's just by comparison, but... So it's like seeing actual, like Bannon, to just seeing someone actually burst from midfield with pace. It's like shocking. And he does it so well. I mean, he's not, not necessarily the fastest person on the pitch, but he's got great acceleration. He can go from st- standing still to like what looks like 90 miles an hour in a split second. And there's three people just wondering what happened. And, it's, and he does it so often, he almost like um, lulls them in with the ball at his feet and just did a little spin and he's, he's off. You don't know where he's gone. He's, he's so good at that. And that's what, that's what I missed the most about Forestieri. Those little kind of hold the ball and just dash. And he's very exciting to watch. Fernando Forestieri or Jacob Butterfield, and there, there, our comparison is complete, Jeff. Back just even you. the names, like Butterfield. I mean, it just sounds like dull and shit. And then Forestieri, like exciting, Butterfield. No, I don't want to feel the butter. I want Forestieri. So we'll move on to the Sunderland game. Quick turnaround, and once again, not the most exciting of first halves. No. No, um, I mean, you know, th- let's be honest. Uh, Easter Monday is not a celebrated public holiday in the United States, so uh, so I think all of us were um, were working hard during this game. Uh, just caveat that in case anybody's listening. Um, I actually got some work done during the first half, um, which was uh, was not necessarily the expected plan because it wasn't that exciting, was it? Like the first five minutes, I thought we were quite adventurous, and the, you know, there were a couple of moves where we we seem to break well with pace i think kind of reach um you know had one chance where was it boyd cut the ball across and probably should have done a little bit better um but sunderland who were a pretty woeful team and we'll come on to that in a second you know they kind of they came into the game they caused us a fair bit of trouble um for for a good proportion of the first half and it just it, it just didn't really kind of spark into life did it no one no one seemed to be that up for the game it was kind of it was damp and cold i think up in the northeast and you know, obviously we were highly troubled by Morgan Fox going off injured. Um, or actually, that didn't seem to make any difference to the insipid nature of affairs. And we, got, we got to halfway and it was nil. Then you're thinking, well, you know what? I mean, these are there for the taking. But if we end up with a draw and, uh, and we come away from the weekend with four points, it's not the end of the world. Uh, I might actually get to my 11.30 meeting. And 
and uh, and then we went into half time and, and everything changed. I think we're sugarcoating it slightly here, James. I mean, it wasn't just like it wasn't very interesting. It was bloody awful. I mean, like, bloody awful. We were both terrible football teams. I mean, Sunderland were bad and they deserve to be where they are. And it's, a lot has been written about Sunderland and how bad they are. But, I mean, we weren't that much better in that first half. It was like watching two Sunday League teams. Um, the only thing that was different to about us eventually over the 90 minutes, we were just more efficient. I don't even think we were that much better in the second half, and I'm sure we'll talk about that in a minute, but we weren't. We were just a bit more efficient with the ball. Uh, we had five shots on target and three, go- three goals. And Sunderland were very wasteful. They couldn't string three passes together. Um, but again, we just were a tad more efficient. But overall, it was a dreadful advert for football in the Championship. It was absolutely shocking. But again, I think the, uh, the final ball into the box was actually there. And that's like you create your chances and you take your chances. That's what I remember, James, I think you were posting this a couple of years ago. Sort of, There's a bunch of different ways you can create goals. And one thing Wednesday was really good at the Wembley season was they didn't create a ton of chances, but they were very high-quality chances, and they finished them. And that's basically what they did against a bad championship team on the road. Yeah, you see, I don't think there's anything wrong with being an efficient team, as long as you're efficient in both respects. You know, you're tidy and contained at the back, and then you are clinical when you get those few chances. So that last part. It, <clears throat> yeah, well, it will... We've got a bit of work to do to, to make this equation stack up. But, um, you know, three goals and five chances is, is actually something to be proud of. Um, you know, just, just look at the quality, actually, in, in each of the three goals, second half. So, you know, as I said, first half is nothing really to write home about. We we didn't really create anything clear cut, although we, we probably should have done um, because some of them were absolutely woeful, to your point, Paddy. But that first goal that we scored, I mean, just just three moments of class all linking together to make it what looked like a really simple goal. First of all, a beautifully weighted ball from Bannon again, um, just deft, you know, over to the, the kind of the back stick and simple knockdown, but really well judged from Nihu, Um, just playing it nicely into space. And then the technique again from Zhao, we talked about technique on the header against Preston on Friday, but the technique on the half volley, here he just you know just gets his head over the ball, leathers it into the back of the net. Simple, but you know everything about that goal was well worked, and it it was something that Sunderland, in contrast, had absolutely nothing of. You know they were pinging balls in from all sorts of distance, and they you know they had half chances, but they had nothing up front. They didn't have that kind of interconnection and precision of play that we had. And again, you know that that was a little bit of what we saw two years ago, Jeff. Um, so I was actually really happy with that first goal. Um, if only we could have made the equation stack up and uh, and defended it. I mean, we've joked all season about how terrible Wednesday's been at protecting leads and dropping points from winning positions and conceding right after scoring. But even by their standards, this was impressive. <laughs> was it like 25 seconds? It was like short it was for Hutchinson to get a booking uh, on Friday. Yeah, it was pretty bad. And who was it uh, on the back post that should have been covering? It's Jordan Thornley. Um, which I kind of feel bad about because I was I was really pleased to see him come onto the pitch. You know, after he had the uh, the head injury against Millwall, the game you were at, Paddy. I mean, I think we've all been looking forward to seeing him come back in because he, you know, he's a, he's made an impression since he's come up from the under 23s. But I, I, I'm pretty sure it was him. If you watch it on the replay, I mean, it was it's the same goal we've conceded several times this year, where the in swinging ball from the kind of the right right edge of the box goes in. We lose the back post. They've got an unrushing attacker and they just ghost in straight behind the back three or back five and uh, and have a free header and that's exactly what happened and um, the fellow who scored is the same guy who scored from a profiteering from a daft mistake when we played Sunderland Hillsborough as well so at that point you're thinking well we've kind of blown it you know all that precision all that um, well worked goal of 
all of 30 seconds ago has just been thrown out with bathwater. But this was a, this was a more uh, progressive Wednesday, right? We put them to the sword. Yeah, and to be fair, I didn't think we'd blown it at that point. Cause, I mean, there was obviously goals in this game, despite the lack of any quality the side can muster. Because the, the defending was so poor. Uh, but thankfully, uh, Sunderland were a lot worse than we were. And actually, I'm going to take my hat off here to Joey Pelopesi, who had uh, slagged off at the beginning of the game for being a little bit, um, what I called, scared to be on the ball. Because he always looked like he's panicking all the time. Uh, but actually, uh, his dead ball delivery is one of the best in the team, I think. And that free kick for uh, Tom Lee's score at the second goal was absolutely fantastic. And props Tom Lee's too for getting involved and just uh, charging into the box there. So, uh, yeah, 2 1 up, uh, looking better. But uh, almost immediately, the uh, curse of Wednesday <laughs> happens again. And they go right up the other end. It's like basketball at this point in this game. It's so bad. Uh, there's no midfield, no, no defending. Uh, Sunderland push back up the other end of the field. Catamol strikes a beautiful shot that hits the post. And then, pretty much straight after that, um, there was a, oh, was it? It, was a, it was a free, was it free header? I can't remember now. Well, there was, I think first was the penalty shout on Bannon, which was oh, like, a yeah, penalty shout stone Bannon, yeah. cold penalty. That's where I Bannon mean, actually kind of trod on the guy's foot like about a minute after the ball had gone, right? Uh, yeah, it, well, it was just like in slow motion. He kind of reached out and then just legged him up. The guy fell over. Everyone looked at the referees and go, well, that's obviously a penalty. And it wasn't even out of play. And just took the ball. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, all right, I'll kind of play. I've got a friend uh, who's a Sunderland fan who was texting me throughout the game. Hilarious stuff. Uh, And he was like, he was was fuming, obviously, at this point. Obviously, that that would have been two all. And it should have been two all. Because that was a a horrendous decision. Um, And thankfully, it wasn't given a bit of luck on our end. And I mean, I feel bad for Sunderland because they had no luck at all. Um, but I mean, also they had no quality at all. And I think it was See, something... I, I, I don't buy this that they didn't have any luck. I mean, yes, it, it was a penalty, right? I mean, he, you know, Bannon fouled him. It should have been a penalty. You can understand why fans are irate, Chris Coleman's irate. But actually, you know, no luck. What they didn't have is they didn't have a pair of strikers. You know, they, they had all of this pace and kind of, you know, kind of creativity coming out of the midfield. And frankly, we gave them way too much respect and space in there anyway. I mean, the, the drawback of our back three, back five uh, formation is that we, we're probably a little bit too quick to invite teams onto us. And we were doing that and letting them run us. But it turned out it was an OK tactic because they literally had nothing in the box. You know, the you know, Catamol strike that hit the post is a perfect example. I think it's actually a good save from Wildsmith tipping it onto the post. But... You know, there's no one following in. There's no kind of pressure on the ball in the in the box. You know, they had umpteen corners and didn't do anything with any of them. Um, so you you can kind of see why they are where they are. They've got a decent midfield, but absolutely nothing at either end. And then the, their, their back, I think it's a back four, was uh, was possibly the only defence I've seen this season that looked more likely to concede than Wednesday in uh, in sort of January February time. Can I talk about this this corner ball? I mean, you, I don't blame the strikers too much. Yeah, they were kind of anonymous through the entire game for Sunderland. But, I mean, when you got the service they have, I think they did a lot of efforts. The midfielders of running forward, and they got it um, up to the, to the flanks quite well. But the final ball into the box was dreadful. But I think the funniest moment for me, and I mean, I must, I must have laughed several thousand times this match because it was so bad so, so many times, was they had a corner, corner. I think it was directly after our corner, which is our only corner of the game, which Adam Reach took, and he went straight to the first man like it always does. They went up to the other <laughs> yeah. end of the pitch, and uh, they had a corner at their side. And I don't know who it was who took this corner, but I really want to find out because it was one of the worst corners I've ever seen in my entire life. He hoofs it. I think he was trying to like balloon it into the like do like the big (laughs) balloon into the box, and it just kept going. 
it might have been it, it might have been a to b yeah straight up it had no kind of like um forward trajectory at all it went straight up in the air then it must have catched some wind near the ozone layer somewhere and that sent it across everyone's heads of the box out for a throwing at the other side it was absolutely brilliant and i just sat there laughing my ass off at half past 11 in the morning going this is why they're going down they, they are hilariously bad they are hilariously bad and by the way you know the script was written all over again right for mcgiddy to kind of you know tear us a new one and kind of crack a couple of free kicks in and he just he beautifully conspired to be exactly the player that we had last year or two years ago <laughs> right where he you know he'd get a free kick and we gave him plenty of free kicks on the edge of the box with some daft tackles falling in particularly in the first half and he just kept on doing exactly that, just kind of walloping them into the back of the stand where, you know, there were no fans. But somehow or other, there were 29,000 fans in the stadium alike uh, this morning, about 3,000 of which were Wednesdayites, but quite where the 26,000 Sunderland fans were. I've got no idea because I couldn't hear a pin drop in that stadium. Um, I think to your point, you know, they just had an absolutely miserable season. And yeah, there's a big, big thing to say about confidence there, isn't it? You could just see it writ large that as soon as we pushed them and uh, kind of probed a little bit, it looked like they were going to fall over. Yeah, and, and God bless them, Joe. I would not pay to watch that crap every week. I mean, if they've been stuffing that for over two seasons now, then fair play to anyone who's turned up to watch that. That's why I, that's why I laughed when the Newcastle fan was at the uh, ground a few weeks ago when he scored the uh, half-time goal in statement. I was like, why are you su- suffering through this? And clearly, as you said, Jeff, he's here to uh, laugh in the faces of the Black Cats fans because it's not good. It's not good. Which is anyway, exactly what we did at the end, isn't it? Because, I mean, you know, having... You know, maybe it was a bit of a kind of ping pong affair, but that, that third goal that we scored was actually re- again really well worked by Wednesday. Um, if Jao yeah, had put that in, it would have been the goal of the match, and it was only a great save that stopped kept it out by the strangely nineteen ninety styled uh, camp, right? I mean, um, but yeah, it was. I, I love the way we were kind of we were probing down the right, and again, Paddy, to your point, Palapesti was involved. You know, switched the play really nicely. I think the kind of the cross comes maybe it's a bit over hits probably Jack Hunt. Um, I don't mean the Jack Hunt overcreates the cross. I mean, I mean that was an overhead cross. But the um, the way that Boyd and Reach linked up on the left, which I thought was kind of a theme all game, actually. I was really kind of encouraged by seeing the way that they seemed to be developing a bit of an understanding. Um, was lovely. And you, you can kind of see Boyd makes for the return pass. Reach puts in an absolute peach of a cross. And as you say, if Zhao gets on the end of that and scores, then it's, it's a perfect goal. Um, but guess who's ghosting in on the rebound? It's only Big Dave. Poetry special. Uh, uh, and it was just, and then the script when you're is in that written, kind of right? form. You just know, the ball just finds you, doesn't it? It, it? it really does. It really does. He's in a purple patch, and long may it continue. Nine you know goals what? and four assists in his last twelve outings. I'm going to be slightly negative here because Dave had a bad game, despite um, hey, scoring great in the first and having half, assists. He was good in the second half, I thought. Uh, it was pretty anonymous and we were all kind of saying okay he deserves a day, a day off because he's had a, a good run but I mean to, to have a player bad game and still get a goal and assist that's what you call being a purple patch um, so I'll give him a bit of a, uh, a bit of a break but um, up to 16th in the table I mean after the Forest game was postponed I'll, I'll take that even still three wins in the bounce I mean that pretty much puts to bed any relegation fears we had so all good eh cracking Easter could anyone have, I would not predict we would win both games this Easter. I thought we'd, Preston would have tripped us up. Uh, and actually, after Sunderland beat Derby for one on Friday, I thought that they'd win us too. Um, so to come away with six points and seven goals, absolutely fantastic. But would have been the most Wednesday thing, wouldn't it? To kind of, you know, to win on Friday in the way we did and then to go to 
suddenly they've been god awful all season and then suddenly get a win on uh, and their tails up against Derby and they, they flatter us. So, yeah, I mean, it was just a, just a job really well done. I mean, what an efficient weekend. And I can't remember the last time Wednesday won three on the bounce because last season feels so bloody long ago. But um, it's just been a great couple of weeks. You know, either side of the international break, uh, team looks well organised, you know, well drilled. Yes, we've still got a mistake in us. Yes, we're still not kind of at full form and full uh, full fitness. But it just it, it looks like a Wednesday that's much more in control of their own situation again. And you know, we'll, we'll talk in a minute about kind of Wednesday news and what's going on in the camp. But you get the impression that stability is beginning to reign again and, and that, that we're seeing the dividends of that and um, yeah great great Easter and, and I think we can put any discussion of relegation to bed thank the Lord to bed and we've been on the fence about uh, Yas as well I think over his his tenure but he does have players back in the squad now and it's a more entertaining brand of football and a more exciting brand a more successful brand um, do we think he's earned the job for next season no um, still holding out I'm still holding out um, I don't yes he's getting game players back and yes he's getting wins um, I still want to see a good 90 minutes from the team am I asking too much to see a good 90 minutes so, I mean we've had some good spells of the past few games against Leeds and um, Preston and Sunderland obviously but are we playing fantastic football for 90 minutes? No, we're not. I mean, at least half the time we're playing shit football and playing pretty poorly. Um, but the other half the time is we're playing pretty good too. So I just want some consistency. I want uh, to see his type of football. I'm not even sure what kind of type of football he plays. It seems to be usually set up to defend from the start, which I'm not particularly um, looking forward to a full season of, if I'm honest with you. Um, but uh, I'll give him to the end of the season and I'll make a decision then. But so far for me, he hasn't earned it um, on merit so far. You see, this is where we fundamentally disagree, Parry, because I, you know, I, I firmly believe that when, when we made the appointment in late January, was it, um, you know, that he should be a, an appointment for 18 months and to have a full crack at next season. And I think he's beginning to, to demonstrate that he's worthy of that now. Um, you know he's done a good job reintegrating the injured players, and, and as they steadily come back, you can see the difference they're making. You know we we clearly missed Hutch in midfield today, but um, you know, the the impact that Bannon's had um, since he's come back in speaks for itself. You know seeing a fully kind of you know engaged and energised Fessy again. You know he only came on for a couple of minutes at the end, but but showed all the right instincts. I think in a player like Zhao and and the reaction we've had from Newhu, I mean you know convincing me who. You know, it was pretty firm in my belief that, that he wasn't going to be a player that we should be retaining because he wasn't the striker that was going to take us up to the Premier League. You know, he can do a job for us next season. He's earned the contract. He's doing all the right things. He's, he's added it to his game. And I think you have to give some credit to the coach for that. And I like the fact that he's he's trying different formations and, and willing to try and play different ways to get the best out of the playing staff he has in front of him rather than being just rigid to one one way of playing and one way only. Um, I actually think we've got lots of possibilities when you get a fully fit squad and, and he's had his chance to kind of clear out some of the the deadwood, uh, Morgan Fox, um, and um, and bring some of his own players in. I think, yeah, we really don't know what kind of stamp he's going to put on this team. We know sort of his, his reputation from the German leagues as a, as a promotion specialist and as a defensively minded coach, but he really hasn't had the back line to 
put his philosophy into action. I think having Lee's back in the squad is, has helped that to a certain extent. And yes, there's still some slipshod moments, but I think we've been steadier at the back since his return. And, you know, I, I fully expect him to go out and find some big, like six foot five inch young German lads to man that back line next year and keep us under financial fair play. And I think that's probably the the plan when he when he came in they if they just wanted a you know an English manager to light a fire into the team and and keep them up there are plenty of options they could have gone in that direction you know we've you know talked before about bringing Gary Megson back but they this is clearly an appointment with a with a longer view and it, it may or may not work obviously but I think he's gonna get a he's gonna get another year and I think he's also sort of like the I know this is like a, a bit of a stereotype because he's you know the dutch manager in germany but a bit of maybe an austerity uh, appointment too you know he might be the kind of manager that can grind out results with players on you know lesser contracts and sort of the money we've been throwing around in recent years yeah i think that's fair and you know i'll i'll, I'll make one obs- one other observation on the Sunderland match before we move on which is you know the, the player that we missed most today was daniel padil so, you know, there, there's a player who's really coming into his own, repurposed in a way that you know, I think many of us doubted he'd, he'd be able to as, as the left centre-back of a back three, right? You know, he was he was superb against Preston, at least in, you know, the, the patches of the game that I saw. And it was very clear that we missed him today, you know, because a lot of the, the joy that Sunderland were getting, particularly first half as we rearranged and, you know, Fox went off and, and Thornley came on, was coming down the left-hand side. Um, you know, there, there's a player that... Uh, Yoss has, has kind of taken and, and repurposed and, and he's doing that in a way that you know we we may well renew the contract of but at, at a lower cost than if we you know we had to go out onto the open market and sign a player with a with a fee that has to be amortized so I think you know I think he's I think he's beginning to show he can do that um, and he's he's definitely proved it with uh, with the lad at front this uh, this big big lad Addy knew who he's uh, he's been a revelation I think you do you think it... we should do uh... sorry go ahead do you think we should um, sign both Financio and Poodle up next year? So I was going to say, you could make an argument, I don't know that I would, that we're better off looking to upgrade at fullback instead, or wingback where he wants to play. And, you know, Lees, Poodle, Financio, I think they still need to add center back depth, even with the young kids. But you could argue you could go into next season with that as your back three and feel, I think, reasonably comfortable, especially if they have more experience playing together. Yeah, I think a lot comes down to the terms, right? I mean, yeah. if, if Venancio is a relatively quote-unquote cheap signing, I think he's beginning to show more reliability and more consistency, but he definitely has errors in him. We still have um, Van Aken, too. We do have Van Aken, who we've kind of forgotten about. I mean, I think we have to, unfortunately, say thank you and, and good night to Glenn Leuvens, who, who moves into a different role in the club. And by the way, it was interesting, Glenn Leuvens, I don't know if you saw that video that Wednesday tweeted of Forestieri coming off the pitch after the Preston game. And, you know, Leuvens is the last man stood by the dressing room door clapping everyone back in. You know, he, he clearly does do something behind the scenes, but we are light in the centre-back department. So I think we're going to have to sign there at least one. Um, but if we if we let either Padilla or Venancio go, it's probably going to be two. That'll be a discussion we'll have in the summer, but for now we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll bring on an entire Long Island family of Wednesdayites to find out how they became Wednesdayites.
So we've been a little bit delinquent here on the Owls AmeriCast about actually having American Owls on the show in recent weeks. So we're going to rectify this forthwith. We have an entire family of Owls from Long Island. The Adsets, welcome to the show. And how did you all become Wednesdayites? Well, uh, this is Philip. I'm, uh, I'm the dad. And I grew up in Sheffield. And uh, my father was always a, a Wednesday fan. So uh, I was taken to Hillsborough uh, from an early age. Uh, on a regular basis, and uh, unfortunately, that was during the 70s. Uh, not the not the greatest time to be a Wednesday fan, but uh, I was uh, unfortunately caught the bug, and uh, I've been a Wednesday fan ever since, and managed to pass it along to my sons. And, uh, yeah, we were raised uh, really our entire lives. This is this is Joe. I we were raised as uh, as Wednesday supporters as long as I can remember. Yeah, um, we'd go to England once or twice a year, and we'd always try and catch a match, usually yeah. the Boxing Day match. Yeah, it was like, it was always Boxing Day for us. It, we 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 always loved going to to those matches. So even who cares about the score for like for for the first couple of years, we we really didn't know what was going on we just really enjoyed going to the matches so philip was your dad english or was he american living in sheffield no my dad my dad my my family has lived in sheffield for uh for over 400 years uh, <laughs> my, my dad has actually just recently done a lot of research on the family and uh we've moved four miles in in uh, 400 years uh, <laughs> and, then, and then I, I came over here to go to graduate school and uh, never went back so so I'm the uh, the black sheep of the family so that four miles is not an average I assume because you really booked that four miles up if you moved over here yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing I know you, you, your dad's got a lot of history with Sheffield itself so can you tell us a little bit about, about him some more too uh yeah, my, my grandfather started a lot of companies, but uh, the last one he started was uh, uh, Sheffield Insulations. And uh, that one is the one that took off. Then my dad took it over in the 60s, and uh, he passed it along to a management team uh, once he hit uh, his uh, retirement age. But then he, uh, that was the time when Sheffield was going through uh, some pretty tough times. And he started working with the local council to try and bring uh, companies and employment back to Sheffield. And he worked, uh, uh, he was on the Sheffield Development Corporation. He was president of uh, of the Sheffield Hallam University and uh, several other things. Uh, <laughs> it's hard to keep track. And uh, he's, he's still uh, reasonably active. He's, slow, he's slowing it a bit down now. 
<laughs> I, I take it by slowing it a bit down. He's only on the board of of several Sheffield institutions. Then, sounds <laughs> better. Um, Sheffield Insulations. You see those uh, trucks going up and down the motorway quite a lot, don't yeah, you? That's the one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's a revered Sheffield brand. Um, with with that background, um, you know, did, did you ever find yourselves and the family actually having any connections with the club? I'm I'm kind of throwing my mind back. I think it was VT Plastics that were on the shirts and Presto. You know, a few other kind of Sheffield companies back in the 80s did did that ever come up as a as an option for for your father's company i don't think i think they tried to they tried to sort of steer a a fairly uh, even path between the two clubs <laughs> and try and not take sides the one who uh, can't be named but <laughs> but uh, they my dad's my dad's allegiances were always well known uh but uh, my grandfather knew several of the people uh, who were running Wednesday. My dad knew several of the people at the, the chairman. Uh, but uh, uh, they they didn't. It wasn't really a a brand that worked very well on a retail level. So they didn't uh, they didn't sponsor. Just plowed money in through going to see matches instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then starting off a new family, which once also went to see managers uh, and uh, watch on iFollow and everything else. So I think he's put a lot of money in himself. Yeah. So you guys go back to England still regularly to watch matches? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we go back uh, three or four times a year. Uh, go and visit the family and always, always try and get to Hillsborough. Yeah. What was the most recent match? Have you had some good luck this this season, or has it been like everybody else and been crap luck? It was Middlesbrough. We, we, were there, we were there from Middlesbrough. I think it was like December. It was Carvajal last night. Yeah, it was the one where, where Carvajal got sacked. And then who, who was it? The the New Year's Day one that I that oh I, not Burton. Yes. Yeah. Oh, you you guys were on the same dreadful schedule as I was at Christmas. <laughs> this is good. This this means it wasn't just me that was bringing all the bad luck. No. <laughs> It was a collective effort. <laughs> what's, been the, what's been the best, best game you've seen at Hillsborough over the years? I guess to all of you. I, you, you have the best I've, luck. I've actually <laughs> had the best luck recently because I was at the, the, the playoff game against Brighton and I oh, was nice. also at the Arsenal game uh, oh. when they won, what was it, 3-0? 3-0. Yeah, a couple of years ago, yeah. Clarify uh, which break. Yeah. <laughs> the which playoff match it was. It was. Yeah, it was. Wasn't uh, last two year. year. Two years ago, the playoff game against Brighton. Yeah. So I've I've had some uh, some good luck, but uh, but those were those were pretty good good matches. Yeah. The Arsenal one especially. I honestly yeah. like, couldn't even say which good ones I've been to. I, <laughs> I I've had some pretty bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I seem to remember you, Joe, telling me that the uh, the experience at the Burton game was particularly uh, particularly yeah. bad luck, right? Yeah, because uh, uh, so my my grandfather he he's had season tickets for he claims for fifty years basically. Um, so, but now he's he's much older, so he has a hard time uh, with the seats. So uh, when you been with the club that long you can you have connections to to help out so he uh because it's much easier to walk with uh he gets seats in the director's box 
So I was there for uh, in the Burton match. I was there in the director's box, and I was right next to to the ownership uh, for Burton. So I I, it, it, I was literally sitting next to them as they were celebrating. Oh, it was it was, it was dreadful. That's a great... Who owns Burton? Just like two guys in a chip van. They do. They just look like like a bunch of random old guys. <laughs> Yeah, no one I, I recognize, uh, at least. Random, very happy old guys, right? I, I did see Chancery on the way out. Uh, he, uh, as I was walking out, he was he was outside uh, the box uh, having a smoke. Uh, and as I looked over at him, I just saw him, like, shaking his head in disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> I hope that wasn't a designated smoking area you saw him. No, it was not. <laughs> <laughs> My house, my rules. For the record, the chairman of Burton Albion is Ben Robinson. He does not have a Wikipedia page. And <laughs> how did you find that out? <laughs> Jeff knows everything. Okay, so so here's a question then, Joe, and, and, and I guess kind of, kind of goes more broadly. So how how has it felt being raised a Wednesday night in? Uh, I guess in America, but um, but in Long Island on the East Coast specifically, with so many other competing sports, you know, what, what what's been the experience of being brought up as uh, to bleed blue and white when it wasn't your first net, the first inclination, and maybe what everything that your friends were doing in uh, in high school as well. Well, I mean, it it's kind of like the 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 way it's it's tough to to support a uh, a championship team. So so Eric and I, we both have our Premier League teams as well because that's what you could actually watch on TV. And I went up until this season with iFollow. We, we, we were only able to like follow on, uh, online. On Twitter. So like, I, I'm a Chelsea supporter, Eric's Man United, but, uh, but at least we agree on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, uh, we, most people, if you, if they ask like who we support, like they, they don't know who Sheffield Wednesday are. I, so I, 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 that's always a, 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 a bit annoying, but uh, Eric's got a friend who I... Uh, he was uh, a huge soccer fan, but didn't really have a team. Yeah. So uh, we managed to recruit him to, as a Wednesday <laughs> fan. And now he's part of, he's part of like our, uh, our, our group text between the, the four of us. It, it, he's, he's, really, uh, he's really taken yeah, to... We took him to Hillsborough yeah. two yeah. years ago. We've given him a couple, uh, a couple of the kits. Yeah, we took him for his his first football match at uh, at Hillsborough. Yeah, fantastic. Good yeah. work, guys. Yeah, we've been trying to get him to uh, to come to the football factory, but uh, the way when when we were eventually able to set a plan for it, uh, he he ended up having to to pull out. Uh, so uh, you guys still haven't met him yet, but you will at some point, I think. <laughs> You've done the hard work. You've got him all the way to Hillsborough. Which surely we can get him down the Long Island Railroad. That should be uh, that should be doable. That actually brings me nicely onto the New York Owls because obviously I only started the New York Owls six years ago. Um, you guys have been here way before that. <laughs> so how did you find out about the group that's just started? I'm not going to call the New York Owls because obviously you were New York Owls way before we existed. I, think I found it first uh, just from like uh, going on Twitter just finding like different things to follow. And uh, at one point I just found the, the New York Owls Twitter account. And I remember like happily showing it to, to my dad saying like, there, there's other ones. 
we're, we're not the only ones. There's more of us. There are other crazy people around. Yeah. This uh, is the second Star Wars reference of the day. There is another one. Uh, so I uh, I started, uh, I followed the, the Twitter account for honestly probably like two years before uh before we made it out to, uh, but you uh, started going to the bar. In yeah, you went to football factory. Before yeah, I went. To, I went to the football factory uh, a few times just to sort of catch a catch a few of the games. Uh, but uh, and I can't. Re- I was trying to think how I found that, but I can't remember. I think that's I, another one that I just found on Twitter. I yeah. just found the football factory account because I've been following it for for a while. Ever since, like I, I think I found the. The New York Owls account, but yeah. So I, I was following it for a couple of years before I before I went there. Yeah, it's got so much easier to be able to 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 follow, because when I first came over here, which was 1982, uh, the only way you could follow any t- any of the teams was to listen on Saturday morning to the World Service. Yeah, you, and, you, bought uh, a, you bought a radio because I, I had a sh- showing the World Cup. Yeah, I had a shortwave radio to listen to uh, to the uh, the BBC and get the scores. But uh, with the internet and everything, it became so much easier. Eventually, Eventually. 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 Yeah. <laughs> We've had our ups and downs. <laughs> Well, I can't remember meeting you for the first time in the football factory when I was so blown away that there was a whole family of Americans supporting Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday. I was like, wait, you all support Wednesday? Like, yeah, yeah, you, his dad brought us up this way. I was like, is it some kind of cult? <laughs> More or less. The first people you met in America, Paddy, where you could say they were raised right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. So um, what's your thoughts on this season so far? And do you think uh, we've got much hope for next season to uh, to build on after this uh, shit show of a year? <laughs> Okay, a shit show is the right word. I think. I mean, it, it's it finally it looks like things are turning around. If we're if we're gonna start with the with the positives, it, it. I mean, like New Hue, just on a tear right now, which is just so much fun. Jao's been good since. Jao's been good. Like He's, that that yeah. header on on uh, on what was it Friday, oh, Friday was yeah. was so nice. I I love that goal. Yeah. And now Forestieri is back, and he seals it with a, yeah, with a goal. I think there is some hope for next <laughs> year. <laughs> because now that players are coming back, it's been been much better. I mean, but, things yeah. are looking better at the moment. Like, not to... The you know, overreact <laughs> based on two results. Yeah, it's been, it's been a tough season because the, the hopes were high going into it. Yeah. And uh, with all the injuries, I think that... Uh, it's it really has been a shit show, but uh, if we get if we get the players back and then uh, have a good summer, get rid of some of the dead wood. Uh, I must admit, your uh, your uh, podcast on the uh, financial pay, fair play doesn't uh, <laughs> th- thrill me with uh, and fill me with uh, with hope for next year, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we, we still haven't quite grasped the American idea of being optimistic. Uh, we, we're getting there, really, but we, we may have poured a slight dampener on, uh, on next season. But, you know, maybe if we make some smart trades in the summer and, uh, and clean house, we can, uh, we can take that positivity into, uh, into August. Yeah. yeah. It's got to be better than this year. I mean, the, the, <laughs> we're, we're setting a low bar for improvement for next year, so 
only don't want to do, don't want to say too too much for jinx. So. Well, I think we all know there's no bar low enough that Wednesday can't squeeze under. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks for coming on and, and sharing your story, and we hope to see you out at the football factory soon. Yeah. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks. All right. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks, everyone. Really good talking to you. James, before we go on to Wednesday news, I just want to point out that you were much more copacetic with our guests in the seat this week when they mentioned that they had a premier league team in addition to supporting Wednesday at one time. <laughs> Jeff, I, I was at the moment when that point came up in the interview, I thought to myself, I could, I could go all Jeffrey Patronostro on, on them, or I could be polite to our, our guests, you know, in the Isles America house and I'll, uh, I'll keep quiet. I was going to make a quip, actually, to say that, yeah, both Chelsea and Manchester United have had appalling seasons as well. So at least they've <laughs> been consistent with their Wednesday fandom. But um, all I'll say is at least they were open and honest and forward forthcoming with this. It took me two and a half years before I realized <laughs> that you cheated on Wednesday, Joe. But it is time to continue on with our Wednesday news. And we go to Patty Jones for this week's triage report for the injury update. <laughs> Uh, we've got some massive injuries, and not just at Wednesday. We're talking about the Owls Americas team here. So you might have noticed that uh, when we first started this podcast, uh, we had Luke on the line. Uh, unfortunately, he left within five minutes as his wife is sick. Um, also, that's not the only... Um, Hold on, uh, does that make Luke the Morgan Fox of the Owls Americas? <laughs> oh, that might be the meanest thing you've ever said. <laughs> Especially when uh, when uh, Luke's wife is is not well, and we do wish her a speedy recovery. So sorry, sorry, Mrs. Luke. Yes, and then, I mean we had six people for this podcast about an hour and a half ago. In the space of an hour and a half, three of them have dropped out, and uh, the funniest of all is Mr. Paul Owen, who uh, was supposed to join us at half past nine, and then we saw him in a Twitter argument about the MLS uh, about quarter to ten. So we actually sent him a tweet because he wasn't answering our text to say, why don't you come on our podcast to argue about MLS rather than argue on Twitter? <laughs> and he says, I will see you there at half past nine. And we thought, hang on a minute. This is already quarter to ten. This man is clearly insane. Or on Chicago. Uh, and he's actually been in Chicago and he's obviously in the wrong time zone and therefore is not going to appear on today's podcast because it is now only quarter past ten and we're almost finished. He might That's still be arguing about MLS on Twitter. And he's still going to be yeah, arguing about MLS on Twitter. Uh, and lastly, we had Evan. He was supposed to come on because he's free all the time now and he's finished his classes. Uh, but apparently not free tonight. So thanks, guys. Now the actual Wednesday injury update. Oh, yeah, we're all screwed there too. So um, Hutch, Morgan Fox, Gary Hooper, all confirmed out for the season. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you, the tone of your voice was completely wrong there, Paddy. What you should have said <laughs> no, was... I'm not celebrating someone... Being the bad, not, you can't really celebrate news. someone's injury. I'm not celebrating Morgan Fox being out of the season. I mean, no. actually, I, I don't know if I said this in the, in the match report, but I actually thought Morgan Fox didn't play that badly the, uh, the other day on Friday. I thought he actually had a decent game. He was everywhere on the field against Preston. I mean, he didn't do a great deal when he had the ball, but he's put, he's put a lot of effort in it. That's what you got asked for, anyway, these days. So I'm not going to celebrate Fox being injured. I know some people will, <laughs> James. Um, but at the end of the day, he's a Wednesday player, and he's uh, hurt and out for the season along with Hutchinson and Hooper. Now then, let's talk about Hutchinson, shall we? And 
what do we think about next season for our dear old Sammy? Uh, again, another long-term injury. We're only just back. Is he a liability? I mean, he's not a liability if you accept that this is the baseline. Right. We're paying wages for the man. Sure. Who plays maybe 10 games a season max. Is, he, is, it, is it worth the wages for someone that is going to be injured for the majority of the season? Yes. I, it's worth it's worth his wages, but you can't rely on him. Yeah. Um, I think the problem is if, if you do have to go out and replace him, I think that's going to be difficult given the financial limitations. But you have to, you know, go into the transfer period thinking that you need a full-time central defensive midfielder and get that however you can. And then you've got to add the additional complexity that a fully fit Hutch is a player that we shouldn't by rights have in our team, let alone have in the championship. So what you're really looking for is a full-time central defensive midfielder of imperious quality that you know we're going to get on a bargain and somehow shoehorn into, uh, into championship football because if we could keep him fit, that's what we would have. And and I think that's the bargain with Hutch. You know, we know that we're only probably going to get 10, 15 games a season out of him. Um, when he plays, he's utterly irreplaceable. We can't rely on him playing, so we have to go out and buy a, a replacement now. Um, I'm happy to have him in the squad because if I can get a couple of games out of him, a little bit like the game that we had when he played against Leeds, he's he's just a different class of player. And we talked about that two weeks ago. Um, but there's there's no way we can trust on him being around. I mean, you know, didn't he just come back from a long term knee injury and straight away it's his ankle that's gone. It's he's sort of like the uh, he is the uh, the Black Knight from Monty Python as we talked about a few weeks ago. But um, unfortunately, bits keep falling off and it's harder and harder to glue them back on. It's actually so sad. I mean, obviously I want to keep him. I'm not, not like advocating for him to be let go or anything like that. And the wages he's worth the wages for ten games season. I agree with you there too. But it just breaks my heart every time I see him on the floor. You're like, oh god, here we go again. And I think it was the Preston game we went down for, and the stretcher came out, and I was, my heart sank, and it looked like he was going to be off then, but somehow miraculously he came back up again. Um, but yeah, unfortunately he went off at half time, didn't he? Um, and that, so, that I think is the ankle injury that stood him in, and yeah. you know there was, there was some argument going on online today about, well, you know, should we not have pulled him off straight away? Likely it is. They probably didn't realise it was a serious injury at the time. Um, and we've got to be a little bit careful with kind of the end of the statement out for the season now. I mean, you know, despite the weather outside, um, you know, I walked to work in a chuffing snowstorm this morning. It is April uh, and the season finishes in a month's time. So, you know, really a se- season finishing injury now is anything that takes more than four or five weeks to rehabilitate from because uh, we sure as heck aren't going to the playoffs. So, you know, hopefully that isn't too serious. Hopefully it's something that's just a byproduct of him not playing a lot of football this season. We can get a preseason in him and we get more from him next year. All my limbs are crossed. And Yasta seemed better at managing these injuries as well. He does, and uh, Sam has thanked him for that publicly, which I liked. And then you always want to get honesty out of Hutchinson. Um, so I just, it's just a refreshing person, a refreshing personality to have around the, um, the dressing room. So I asked a question in a kind of see what your opinions are, but I'm on your side. We should definitely keep Sam Hutchinson at all costs. I have a note here that just says, SWFC karaoke via New Hughes Instagram, which is just the gift that keeps them giving, isn't it? I mean, how how Addy New Hugh hasn't got like a billion followers on Instagram? I'm not quite sure because you know he's got all of these little videos of a footballers singing a, a variety of songs as uh, as various as um, Kosovan rap, 
and uh, and Joey Pelipesi doing kind of 1980s soft uh, soft rock classics. It's beautiful. You want to go on this evening because I think he's got he's got Bannon kind of lip syncing to uh, to some uh, some rap number that I'm afraid I'm not awfully familiar with. Um, and then it's like uh, it's Pessy and, uh, and Venancio doing the Power of Love or something along those lines. <laughs> good to see our uh, players in good um, good form at least. We'll have a good road trip back from Sunderland. You know, you know, but it's, it kind of it t- it tags into something which I think is possibly a lot more important than necessarily just the songs that they're singing on the team bus home, which is that there's been quite a bit of reporting this week that the the general team spirit in the camp has been good through this kind of you know really really dodgy period that we've had which has basically been the entire season you know they've, they've kind of believed in themselves they believed in the quality believed they can come good get the players back get some results and you know again kind of you know just get just ending this season with positives ending with some some good results getting some good performances getting players back fit getting some just some positivity back in the club is so important because it's not long until August right it's not long until we start the next push so, you know, what we want is we want everybody on the up. We want the players feeling positive. We want that camaraderie building. We want the energy building behind the club. So the more that we see of that, the better, the healthier that the club's going to be next year. And as we mentioned on last week's show, you can now buy three different Sheffield Wednesday bobbles from Football Bobbles. They are available for pre-order. The Hearst, the Siggy, and the Sterland. I've already made my pre-order for the Sterland. I wanted to get two, but I just can't keep buying hats. Uh, I may may have put a pre-order in for two. I mean, I was I was thinking that now that we've got like an endless winter, um, I'm just going to need interchangeable bo- bobble hats for probably perpetuity, right? So it's it's I'm, I'm, it's like taking a, an insurance policy out against future climatic change. I'm hoping what happens is like when you put a big coat on and it's really hot outside. Maybe if you are like five hats that turn up in the post in the next week or so, we'll finally get some sunshine. Or I could just become one of those kind of hipster dudes who walks around in a bobble hat in the middle of July in 95 degree heat and 100% humidity in uh, in Williamsburg. Shorts, the tank top, and the bobble hat. Look, they're classy bobble hats. I will, yeah. I will, it'll be the only part of me that'll look good. Drinking your hipster um, coconut water at 65 degrees. Is that what they do? I don't know. We don't have Luke on the show anymore, so yeah, the proper temperature to consume coconut water is. <laughs> so yeah. instead, we will move on to our Fulham preview, James. Yeah, another one of these rare championship teams that we haven't actually talked about on the podcast because we played them all the good long time ago before we even had a podcast. I think it's like, was it late August, early September, we played them away and we beat them down at Craven Cottage? It seems like a lifetime ago. Um, that was the win that kind of restarted our promotion push. Um, and Fulham were dreadful at the time. Uh, fast forward seven, eight months, and Fulham are probably one of the, if not the form team in the division, probably giving Wolves a run for the money in that regard. Um, and, uh, and we've also gone through the traumas that we have. Um, I've got to say, I've got a soft spot for Fulham, but not got a soft spot for them necessarily for the place. Um, in case anyone's never been to London, it's a, it's a suburb in southwest London, not too far away from Chelsea, extremely affluent, uh, full of... Uh, very well-to-do people and nice rows of well-kept houses, um, lots of uh, coffee shops and uh, and uh, you know kind of uh, f- nice parts of uh, London for perambulating by the Thames. Um, 
but I've got a soft spot with them for it because it's just an absolutely cracking away day. Uh, if you uh, you know if you kind of want to follow Wednesday on the road, that there's some must-do games, and Fulham away is is one of those. Um, it's kind of there's a ridiculous number of extremely good pubs uh, around kind of the Fulham and Putney area, either side of the Thames. You walk up to uh, through the kind of the park up to the stadium. It's kind of a proper little old football ground, right hemmed in by the Thames, Graven Cottage. And uh, and there's a brilliant atmosphere. They they kind of got you know a big away area, and they particularly for some games they kind of they mix in a few home fans as well. And it's generally good natured. Um, always a good uh, good day out. Um, so I'm kind of I'm kind of hoping that Fulham don't go up this year, to be perfectly honest. But they've uh, they've run it close the last couple, particularly last year, obviously when they were right up there in the playoffs and and failed at the semi semi final stage uh, against expectations like uh, like we did. Um, They've, they've actually had a really good season subsequently um, and uh, and they're probably going to take some beating in the playoffs given the uh, ridiculous um, unpredictability of, uh, of teams like Derby and Villa. So, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I'm watching them with, with interest. And it's going to be a tough game for Wednesday on Saturday, tough test of our kind of recent resurgence or at least our kind of resilience. Um, and we'll see how, uh, how that plays out. I think um, they're one of the, I think actually no they're the be the best team I've seen play in the league this year and I've been very critical of the league this year, as you all know um, I think they're one of three teams that are any good um, and I think they are the most informed team with the best players in the run up to the uh, to the end of the season so uh, I hope Fulham do go up this year because uh, I've got a few friends that are Fulham fans and, and they've come close enough times uh, and I think they they deserve it for once this season. Um, they've got a good, great team, good players. That Mitrovic up front is what we've been looking for all season. They've got obviously Sessegnon, the young kid who's just an absolute uh, dynamo. Um, Kearney in midfield, obviously, they're going to be a really tough side. Uh, the only thing I think that's uh, in our favour at this point is that we're at home uh, and we're in a bit of form. So I think it'll be a good game, actually. I think we'll raise our game to it. Um, I'm hoping we get at least a draw out of it. Do you reckon we'll start Matthias on the basis that he he put in a great shift against Fulham at home last season? I don't think we will now because I think Matthias is a bit hit and miss, isn't he? Um, but we'll see. I don't, I don't really I don't really mind. I think I'm, I'm confident now in, in in the attacking options we've got up front. I, I'd like to keep probably Joao and Joao and Yu as the starters. Um, I'd, I'd hopefully give the Forestier a bit more of a run out they had today for like five minutes at the end. Um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm hopeful of a, of a good lineup um, and a positive result. It's funny because that, that Matthias reference is down to the uh, the kind of the shadow game that we played with them at the back end of last season after we both kind of locked into the playoffs. And the only memory I've got of that game is that ridiculous tackle that Matthias put in, which I think we all kind of thought was going to be the end of his career, um, end of his career at Hillsborough. I mean, it was necessary career ended tackle for himself. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 a hard one to pick, isn't it? I totally agree with you, Paddy. I think you know the 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 informed strikers or the starting strikers, New and Jao, don't really take any argument. Um, there's an interesting subplot with Fessy. I mean, there was there was a lot of speculation that Fulham were his potential destination had he gone in the summer when, you know, obviously we didn't know everything that there was to know about his his knee injury at the time. Um, I, you know, be, I'd be really interested to see what type of response he has if he if he does get on for 20, 30 minutes. Uh, second half, um, but we'll uh, we'll wait and see and, and watch for Saturday. I think a draw would be a good result, frankly, for Wednesday on on Saturday. Just kind of keep our positivity moving forward. I should point out at this point in the show that uh, it is actually is a two game week, James. I'm quite good at forgetting these second games, Jeff. Um, come on, tell me who we're playing next week. <laughs> we'll, 
We have QPR on Tuesday. Oh, no. Oh, dear me. Oh, From it's one the same uh, preview. Yeah, it's the same preview. It's, it's a suburb <laughs> in southwest London. It's, uh, it's relatively well to do. Uh, it's not far from Chelsea. Uh, formerly in the Premiership, good away day. Um, in the differences, I don't like QPR. I don't, I don't see Nobody the point in QPR. Yeah, they're just like this really annoying club that just kind of take up space and bandwidth and money and resources. And like, you do genuinely ask the question, like, where is it even? Queens Park isn't even an area that Londoners celebrate. So you know, what's what's going on there? There's there's, there's no brand. There's no heritage. Um, there's no yeah, preview. Ian Ho- <laughs> there's no preview. Ian Holloway is about the only thing I think of when I think of QPR, and he's he's obviously back there, and um, he's got them playing pretty well actually. I mean, what they uh, they beat Norwich four one today. Yeah. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of there or thereabouts in mid-table. I was kind of looking at the table actually. If Wednesday go on a bit of run before the end of the season, we can probably aspire to just about pit Leeds to twelfth. Um, I think that's. And, I, I was looking at it too because I wanted to beat Leeds, but I think he might be slightly out of our reach. I mean, it would take a hell of a run. It's about five, six points, isn't it? But to do that, we'd have to leapfrog QPR. We'd have to leapfrog um, Forest, obviously. We've just kind of gone past, but we've got a game in hand. Um, but, you know, that's that's doable. So, you know, Tuesday night in London, there'll be a great Wednesday away following. Um, I've blotted it out because it's my son's first birthday. So, I'm for, for, you know, for that game, I'm not really thinking about Wednesday. Um, and it will, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I hope we can go down there and get a result. But but actually, it's it's a pretty tough game in the same way as uh, as the Fulham game on Saturday will be. I think it's funny that they've, I mean they've been terrible all season, QPR, and they desperately want to get rid of Holloway because I mean not a lot of fans uh, still like him and they've been playing bad football all season. But the fact that they're going to kind of do a last minute run in the last half of the last quarter of the season, some of the QPR fans I know are so annoyed by that. Cause I think Holloway might get a second chance next year to mess it all up again. So uh, I think it's quite funny if they do do well the next, uh, next few games because uh, they might end up with Holloway again next, next season. Or Harry Redknapp, as we know he is everywhere. <laughs> well, Alan Pardew's free now as well. He is. Oh, God. Do we have any okay. other business? Uh, no, just some updates from our point of view, other than the fact that half our team have died in the last hour and a half. Um we did say last week that we were going to do a US soccer uh, podcast during the international break, and that didn't happen, if you didn't notice. Um, that's because we couldn't get all the guests we wanted, so we are going to shelve that for the time being, and we will get it to you uh, as soon as we can. Um, couldn't just get the guests we wanted. We also couldn't get the podcasters we wanted for yes, the same you know, level of kind of lack of availability <laughs> that we've experienced this evening. To be fair, the guests we did outline were quite ambitious. Uh, Alex Lalas didn't, didn't reply to me, uh, or Evan. And uh, Klinsman didn't even reach out to us either, so I think we should uh, maybe uh, scale our efforts a little bit lower next time. I think you're a little bit unfair. I mean, John Hawks was a definite maybe. <laughs> John Hawks is a secret guest for a later podcast. I promise, I promise, I promise. Keep listening and find out. Um, we do have some updates as far as Owls America's meetups. It's been a very quiet weekend uh, meetups because of the Good Friday and Easter Monday lack of holidays in America. So, uh, if you didn't uh, notice, uh, we didn't really have any bank holidays. Uh, most people don't have bank holidays for Friday and Monday in America, at least. Therefore, there's no meetups because it's very hard to get to a meetup at 10 o'clock on a Friday morning and at 10 o'clock on a Monday morning. Let me just make it just quickly dwell on this in a second because I was in the UK last week and, and people in the, back home were like incredulous. Like, what do you mean you don't have the Easter holiday? Like, what? How do you live without four days <laughs> off? Um, which actually I stopped and thought about. I thought actually it's a really good point. Like you know, what, why don't I have, I have four days off this weekend? And then I remembered it's because we're a secular country and we uh, we have flex and floating holidays, right? 
which is probably why I took two hours off this morning. Uh, sorry, um, two hours of uh, multitasking time to watch the Sunderland game. Uh, yeah, which I obviously didn't watch because I was uh, working very hard um, for those two hours between 10 and 12. And I definitely wasn't tweeting about it. I attributed um, my flex days to the Church of New Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this has been episode 25 of the Owls Americas. You can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com. Email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers are by fellow Wednesdayites, Reverend and the Makers. The podcast is on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Podbeam, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show, just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show as it helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Speaking of ramblings, you can leave the show a voicemail on our Days and Mumbled line at 1401-307-1867. International rates do apply. You can dial it for free using Google Voice. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, what lofty heights of inspiration has Eddie knew he you taken you to this week <laughs> at about 36,000 feet over the mid-Atlantic on Friday afternoon I was thinking to myself what what's the best possible scenario by which I could land and learn about the Preston result and um I had a I had a premonition it was sort of like a vision uh, in which Basically, God revealed himself unto me two weeks ago, and this week he, he showed me the forward path by backheeling past three defenders and then stripping another one and then tossing the ball into the top corner. Um, I, I, I basically put that down to being some kind of, you know, uh, pipe dream as a result of drinking too much of the free champagne. Uh, sorry, I mean uh, water in an economy class. Um, so it was, uh, it was to my surprise that I, uh, I then read uh, and watched and saw the reality of what the, uh, what the Redeemer had done unto, unto Sheffield uh, on my landing at JFK. What a beautiful, beautiful Friday. Patty is on Twitter at Patty A. Jones and at New York Owls. Patty, uh, when are we getting Eddie Newhew over here for a New York Owls meetup? Um, well, he's invited to come next week um, to the meetup against Fulham at 10 a.m. If he's not busy, <laughs> he can join us at uh, Full Factory. Uh, or he can go to New Orleans and uh, meet him there uh, for the New Orleans meetup against Fulham at uh, 9 a.m. their time. Or, I mean, I think this would really help push the Boston meetup, which we've been trying to push for a while now. There's a couple of people wanting to meet up in Boston. If you're in Boston next week, um, uh, then please go there uh, and support the Boston Owls, which are trying to start something up. Uh, that goes out to Asti New You and anyone, really, that wants to join them. Um, so, yeah, that's where you can probably find us and maybe Atty next week. That's quite a big trade-off, though, isn't it? Are we saying that Atty should go to Boston rather than starting against Fulham? I mean, uh, I mean, the season's over. Who cares? I'd rather have Atty with us in New York than in Hillsborough now, because, I mean, who cares? With 13 points, clear relegation. Come and celebrate with us. Can we go to the East Village and lip-sync Cotter and Rap classic? <laughs> yes, we'll go sing-sing. Karaoke mid-afternoon after the Fulham game. It'd be brilliant. I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro, and apparently Paul Owen has made more work for me, but we'll see you back here <laughs> next week.
the writing would indicate Okay. Alright, half time. Let's leave that basketball nonsense. Time to catch up with the chaps. Record the podcast. It's gonna be a good one. Lots of positivity tonight. 30, bang on time. Hello, it's Paul. Hello, Jeff, Paddy, James, Evan, anyone? Hello, it's Paul. What's going on here? It's 9 30. Bang on time for the pod. Half time of the. Oh, I'm in Chicago. I'm an hour behind, I'm an hour late. Oh, chuffing hell.